Here we go. You are listening to Law and Gospel on this Friday, June the 23 in 2023. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and on Fridays, we take a look at emails that have come in, and we want to respond to them. One email was entitled, A False Choice, God or Country. It was well-written, and it was written by Alex McFarland because he says that for the past 2,000 years, essentially all progress on behalf of human rights and the spread of moral truth have depended on Christian involvement. Some of history's most fortuitous moments resulting in the betterment of the human condition have come about when followers of Christ inserted themselves into governmental and cultural affairs. Now, that is absolutely true from our point of view, but there needs to be some verification of this. The Christian church ought not be involved in every governmental decision. Uh, For example, there are occasions when the government can make a decision that has nothing to do with the Bible, and therefore a Christian cannot turn to the Bible. For example, in the raising or lowering of taxes, or in having certain laws, like you must stop at a red light, and you must slow down for yield. There's all kinds of laws that the government has that really has nothing to do with the Bible. But we follow them because God is the one who is in charge of the government. And we therefore want to follow these laws. But today, there are those who would vehemently disagree with the statement that the church must be involved in political matters. In fact, most pastors today stunt their congregation's potential for impact by staying silent on cultural issues. Now, what does that mean? Well, there are certain things that are happening in the culture that are contrary to the word of God, and therefore pastors need to be speaking about them. Uh, Those things would include uh, the gay movement, uh, abortion, people wanting to change their gender, people desiring to be put to death themselves uh, by a doctor. There's all kinds of things going on in the country that the Christian church should involve itself in because the Bible is in contradiction to some of these cultural issues. Many evangelical celebrities use their social media platforms to remind Christians that our hope is not in politics. It does sound pious to say that our allegiance is to God, not man. 
Our priority is the gospel, not government. Now, that is correct. But for many a zealous Christian today, the church's position in relation to politics amounts to one of two choices. Either you love the Lord and his kingdom, or you have gotten in bed with the state and supposedly have your eyes only on this world. Dichotomizing the landscape to only these two options is unnecessary and misleading. The church's posture should be as Augustine taught, that believers are accountable to both the city of God and to the city of man. The city of God, of course, is the Holy Christian Church. The city of man is the area of politics. For the Christian believer, of course, our true home is heaven. And certainly our number one priority is to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, our Savior. But should the church be politically vocal? And can we do this without compromising our loyalty to our king and his kingdom? Absolutely. In fact, we have inherited many blessings today from courageous Christians before us who were intensely politically engaged. Consider Melito. He was an ancient Christian leader and pastor from Sardis, now Turkey. In 175 AD, he met with Emperor Marcus Aurelius, urging him to make Christianity the official religion of Rome. He reasoned that church and state were complementary works of God for mankind's benefit and he saw no conflict in meshing Christian beliefs and values with political discourse. Most have heard of William Wilberforce and his crusades before parliament to end slavery in Britain. Perhaps less well-known is his colleague Thomas Clarkson but together they acted on their deeply held Christian convictions, speaking publicly to the British Empire. They successfully engaged the help of Parliament member Thomas Buxton in their establishment of abolitionist societies, uh, their work on behalf of child rights, and ultimately the ending of slavery. It was a good thing that these members, these men, and their contemporaries were eager to have their Christianity shape their cultural involvement. Do we serve Jesus and live for heaven? Or do we immerse ourselves in current events and cultural involvement? This writer believes that the answer is both. For those who advocate political disengagement, it is helpful to remember all of the immeasurable good done by Christians 
who are courageous enough and wise enough to understand the church's responsibility to a lost world and become a servant of the poor. We recall Mother Teresa, civil rights reformer, Dr. Martin Luther King, evangelist Billy Graham, educator Jerry Falwell, prison ministry champion Charles Colson, to name just a few Christians who got involved in the secular realm. We ask the Lord to empower us also to make us a tangible mark for Christ in our world today, in our culture, and our government as well. Children and youth need to be raised to believe in Jesus, but also to know that the call to discipleship comes with a call to be boldly patriotic. And so it is not an error for Christians to get involved in the political realm when we are dealing with issues that the Bible says is contrary to the will of God. A second email that comes very close to this one is entitled, What Happens When the Salt of the Earth Loses Its Saltiness? This is by Oscar Americano. He says, in many African communities today, the only way to preserve things from decaying is by applying salt to them. The preservation role of salt is natural and does not depend on any other factors like electricity to be effective. Jesus knew that the earth is bound to decay if nothing is done to preserve it. Therefore, in the spiritual realm, he commissioned us, his disciples, to become the salt that will uphold the truth, that will deliver the world from moral decay into falsehood. The salt also adds flavor to food. Jesus wants us to be distinct and to add taste to this world. The presence of believers, no matter how few we are, should radiate grace and kindness in any environment that they are found in. As Christians, we should be able to preserve the truth of the word of God and act as God's agents of grace in the societies he has placed us in. And the societies today seem to be have lost their salt. Many of them have individuals living in groups of unconfessed, unrepentant sin. And it is the church's task to urge them to repent of that sin and turn back to the Lord Jesus Christ. This is how you become the salt of the earth. That's why every church service involves the preaching of not just the gospel, 
to forgive sins, but also the law to encourage repentance of such sins. When believers stop preserving the truth that has been handed down to us from the Bible, it can show in our immediate culture. Uneducated men in the Bible turn the world upside down. But today, professors in theology and even educated preachers are no longer capable of bringing changes in small communities. Why? Because truth is no longer championed. Falsehood and half-truths have taken over the mouths of those who are supposedly to boldly complain, proclaim the word of God without fear. Now that's going to end up with you being persecuted. Can you imagine speaking in your office building against the gay lifestyle or prostitution or abortion? in some places can get you fired because that is called hate speech. While at the same time, those who hate Christians can speak against them and nothing happens. So today we have professors and pastors who no longer champion God's truth. Falsehoods and half-truths have taken over the mouths of those who are supposed to boldly proclaim the word of God without fear. Yes, it's true that when Jeremiah boldly proclaimed the word of God and urged people to repent of their political sins because they were worshiping other idols, he had his life in stake. He could have been put to death and people wanted him put to death because he was saying that even the temple was going to be destroyed. And the people said, no, the temple, the temple of God, that will never be destroyed. Well, it was destroyed by the Babylonians. Many in Israel were taken into captivity now, years later, they were relieved of that captivity and returned to Jerusalem to attempt to rebuild the temple, but not to the level that Solomon had built it. And then King Herod attempted to improve the temple. But you know what happened in AD 70, the prophecy of Jesus that the Romans would come once more to destroy the city of Jerusalem and the temple came true. And that was in 70 AD. So what you have were even in Jesus' day, the mouths of those who were supposed to boldly proclaim the word of God without fear were instead turning the word of God into a law orientation that if you obeyed God's will in these areas, you had nothing to worry about. But God made it clear that you had a lot to worry about because 
he would prefer truth and belief in himself rather than gifts of works. Now, truth is sometimes bitter. That means it's hard to tell somebody who's living in unrepentant sin that they should turn from that sin. But truth has the power to bring the needed changes to the lives of the hearers. Recall John 8, 32. The scripture says, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. That's John 8, 32. The reason why there is moral decay in our nations and societies today is that the salt of the earth has largely lost its saltiness. The truth is no longer preserved. It's edited to suit the culture. Uh, the, the writer Oscar Amirkanis, I, I recently wanted to share the gospel uh, with a lady who is not a Christian. I told her that Christians who continue a lifestyle of sin are in danger of hearing Christ say to them, depart from me, I never knew you. She later accused me of preaching a false gospel. Why? Well, according to her, even if a Christian is killed as an armed robber, he will make it to heaven because he has confessed Jesus as his Lord and Savior. Now see, this lady claimed to be an evangelist in one of the Pentecostal churches in Nigeria. But when self-professed Christians are deceived, we are in big trouble. Now, there's no doubt that even an armed robber can be forgiven his sins if he truly has repentance. But that isn't happening when he's robbing a bank and maybe even shooting a teller or making a mockery of the bank. That's not living in repentant sin. So when self-professed Christians are deceived, we are in big trouble. Take a look at all the moral lapses in our societies and nations today. They are a result of believers' inability to preserve the people by telling them the truth. I mean, the best sermon on the Mount by Jesus, he did not make any particulars about sin. He even reminded them, you know, you think you don't kill anyone because you haven't done the act of murder. But I tell you, even the hatred that you have towards your neighbor or the words of hate that you speak, these can be unconfessed sin that would result in your not going to heaven. Jesus always gave a strict understanding 
of what the law says. It's not that people who then stopped sinning in those areas were saved because stopping from sinning saves no one. What saves you is true repentance of that sin, which means grief over what you are doing to Jesus. He went so far as to die for your sins on the cross. And then you think, well, I can live any lifestyle I want as long as I go to church and ask for forgiveness. No, no, one needs to fight against the enemy. As we said on Tuesday in taking a look at the book of Proverbs, one needs to starve to death our sins. And that's by not being involved with items that make us sin anymore. And by stopping that involvement, we are proclaiming the truth of Jesus Christ. The moral lapses in our societies and nations today are a result of believers' inability and refusal to preserve the people by telling them the truth. Many of us are telling people to come to Christ, but we refuse to tell them to sin no more. Asking a person to believe in Jesus Christ is not giving them the gospel because the gospel is that their sins are forgiven as they also repent of those sins. And because of that repentance, God forgives them. In today's society, people are no longer being warned of the dangers of sinful lifestyles. And that has resulted in them pursuing their self-centered goals and lustful desires, even after they're made public, even if they apparently have a public profession of faith in Christ. But that public profession involves more than just believing the promises of God. It also believes a lifestyle of sanctification that is necessary. Sanctification is the response that Christians make to God because he has had his son die for our sins and has given us full salvation, not because of what we have done, but because of what Jesus has done. Jesus is the only way of salvation. As the Holy Spirit provides us with the faith to believe the promises of Jesus. Promises which are really quite ridiculous, but they're not untrue. Yes, the greatest of sinners can be in heaven. As one truly repents of that sin, and believes in the promises of Jesus Christ. And those promises are very much involved with our lifestyle. 
our conversion to Christianity is supposed to change us. It's kind of like children in a family. When do you finally begin to want to obey your parents? When you recognize how loving they are to you. They give you free food. They give you a free bed, free transportation, free toys, even a free bike so you can ride around. And the more you recognize how loving your parents are to you, the more the discipline from your parents makes an effect on you. And soon when you hear that your parents have a need, you want to supply that need. That's how it works in the Christian faith. The more a child hears of what Jesus has done for them by going to Sunday school, by going to vacation Bible school, by going to church weekly, and by hearing the Bible read by their parents at home, the more they will come to an understanding of how much Jesus loves them. And that is how our conversion to believe in Jesus Christ changes us. God expects us to walk in his path. A move toward God is a move toward righteousness, purity, and holy living. And may we as Christians never forget that that is our true calling. And may we never lose our saltiness. So at times, it may seem that we get involved in political matters when the politics of the world go against God's word. And when people think that they can live in unrepentant sin and not be bothered by it, but they will understand it when judgment day comes. So continue to be the salt of the earth and continue to be involved in cultural matters which the Bible deals with. That's the Christian lifestyle. And we'll continue with this law and gospel point of view on Monday. I'm Tom Baker. God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check out to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132 or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.